Welcome back, Bethel. Wasn't that such an amazing time of worship? I hope that you're in a great place right now. Just a time to soak in God's word. I'm Nate Palmatier, the director of Next Gen here at Bethel, and I am excited to open God's word with you today. So we're starting a new series called Through the Eyes of and fill in the blanks. So today I'll be walking you through the eyes of John the Baptist. And in later weeks, I'm not going to share who they're going to be seeing through the eyes of, but you guys just make sure that you're here for the next four weeks to walk through this series on who through the eyes of as we prepare for the time when Jesus comes. So today we're looking at Luke 3, 18. And you know what? If you don't have a Bible, make sure to fill out a connection card online or just reach out to us at info at Bethelstrathroy.com and we will get a Bible in your hands however we need to do that. If I need to run down to your house and drop it off for you, unless you live really far away, but we'll get it to you. So make sure to get God's Word in your hands. It is just life-changing. So if you have your Bibles open, open it up to Luke 3. And we're going to be reading Luke 3, verse 1 to 18. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Ituria, and Traconetus and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the word of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, making straight the paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in. Every mountain shall be made low. The crooked road shall become straight. The rough ways shall become smooth. And all the people will see God's salvation. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is ready at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then? The crowd asked John. John answered, anyone who has two shirts, share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food, do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then the soldiers also asked him, and what should we do? And he replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts, if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but the one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with the unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed, the good news to them. Let us come to the Lord in prayer before we get into God's word. Psalm 92. It is wonderful to be grateful and sing of your praises, Lord, most high. 
It is wonderful each morning to tell about your love and at night to announce how faithful you are. Father, we're in your house today praising you, lifting up your name, Jesus, for we are grateful that you came down and met us where we are. I pray that this morning would not be just another morning that we go through the motions and do church, but that it would be a morning that we recognize the deep love you have for us, that we would recognize and internalize your faithfulness for us, Lord, for you are faithful, you are just, you are holy and a loving Father. As we walk through your word today, God, would you give each of us a glimpse of your glory? Would you please, Lord, allow us to see why it was so amazing that you came down, that you became Emmanuel, God with us. Help us to clear out the noise of the gifts and the get-togethers and the shopping lists and all the things that keep us so busy. Help us to see you, Jesus, and to understand why you truly came for us, your children. I lift all this up in Jesus' name. Amen. John the Baptist prepares the way. And what I really want to get across here is this uncontainable anticipation. Today I'll be bringing the word and we're going to be looking through the eyes of John the Baptist. Now this may not be the traditional Christmas series message, but track with me. And I want to, and we will see, looking through the eyes of John the Baptist, his uncontainable anticipation, and we're going to have a chance to see God's heart on display for his people. It'll give each of us a glimpse why we need to be excited this time of year. Why we need to anticipate the Lord's coming. Why we need to anticipate Christmas and see the good news, see God's saving power. This is why Christmas is so exciting. Christmas is this time of year that we get excited for. We get excited for get-togethers and uh, maybe snowball fights and taking off on your snowmobile or your ATV. This is an exciting time of year for everyone. Or, you know, sliding down that amazing hill that's like in the woods and you have to dodge trees all the way down and you're just not sure if you're going to make it again. Or is that just me? That is what Christmas seems to be about. But for me, Christmas hasn't always been really exciting. I can remember back as a kid just, you know, the fights we would have at Christmas and someone would just go off and leave or the endless amount of black socks. Do you guys get enough black socks? Do we all have, like, we're just giving them out later on in the year, just like, hey, here's some black socks. Here's some black, just handing black socks out because we get so many black socks. Well, when I was 14 years old, I had a job at a place called Mr. Prime Rib. And it was, it was a great place to work. It was this Greek restaurant. And across from the Greek restaurant was this furniture store. So one day, as I am on my break, I have no idea why I'm going across the street, but I'm just like, all right, I'm on my break. I've been looking at this furniture store. I'm going to go check it out. So I go across the road. This obviously was the day when we didn't have cell phones. I couldn't play like Candy Crush or anything. So we had to occupy our time with other things. Anyway. So go across the road, looking through the furniture store, and they have this electronic department with like, I don't know, a few stereos, a couple TVs, and I see this amazing stereo. This stereo has a three-disc changer on the top. It has two cassette players in the bottom so that you can put one cassette in and record the radio, or you can, you know, take your friend's mixtape, because we used to do that for our girlfriends back in the day. We would make mixtapes for them. Those were the times. 
Anyway, this stereo was lit. It was amazing. Uh, many of you may not know, even know what CDs are, but they were like these hard disk things that you would throw in. And so you could listen to three different CDs and you didn't have to like constantly change out your CDs. Anyway, back to my story, I wanted this thing. But at that time I was 14 years old, couldn't, couldn't you know, pay for it all right away, but they had layaway. So all that meant was you could, you could take this thing that you wanted, you put it aside and say, hey, I, I'm claiming that and I'm gonna pay a certain amount every month. So I made 585 an hour at this place, so it was gonna take me around 52 hours um, to save up for this. So as Christmas is coming up, I'm, I'm paying towards this, paying towards this, and as it comes closer to Christmas, I'm like super bummed because I didn't have enough money to finish paying for this stereo. But this whole time I was sharing with my siblings, I was sharing with my friends, guys, you just, you can't, like you can't imagine what this thing looks like and you know, just building it up and building it up. And then as Christmas comes, everyone's like, really? Like you said you were gonna show us the stereo, but you didn't. And so on Christmas Eve, uh, we, opened, we, opened, we opened Christmas gifts on Christmas Eve. So, you know, I got my black socks and I got my, my underwear and I got those things. We, were, we lived a pretty like humble beginning. And, um, and my stepdad, Phil, came out and was like, hey, Nate, like you forgot to open your last gift. I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? And he pulls out this, this gift. And you know when someone, someone brings you something and you're already anticipating what it is? Like you already know, you already know. Like I knew right away, I was like, that's the stereo that I've always wanted. That's the stereo that I didn't pay off. How is he? But I had to act surprised, right? So he brings over the stereo, he gives it to me, it's all wrapped up, and I just, I just tear it apart. And like, you have no idea. You have no idea how much anticipation, how much uncontainable anticipation for this I had. And I just cried. Like as a 14 year old boy, that's super embarrassing. But I just cried and was just like, thank you so much for giving this to me. Thank you so much. And you know what, everyone in that room knew I had worked so hard for that and I had been talking about it so much and I just, for the last four months, I'd just been sharing, hey, can't wait to see this, hey. So everyone knew exactly what I was anticipating. Now when we look through the eyes of John the Baptist, we can see that his anticipation was evident. He heard a word from the Lord Go out to the Jordan and share the good news. Pave a way for Jesus to come. To tell others, to take notice. You know, just like everyone in that room took notice that they knew. They knew exactly what that was because I had been telling everyone about what was coming. John the Baptist was paving a way for everyone to know God, what God was going to do. He knew what it meant for Jesus to be coming. It was a time for people, one, to turn back to God, to repent. And two, a time to see and hear the good news of us being reconciled to God. A time to see God's saving power. And he would stop at nothing to share this. You know what? John actually shared this in a time that was quite dangerous for him to share. And... No, it, it, it wouldn't just cost him his career. It would cost him his life. 
This just shows how urgent this message. And as we begin, I want to give you guys a bit of context in why that was, that John was speaking, that at that time that John was speaking about Jesus. So let's go to Luke 3, verse 1 and 2. And it says, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor over Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Eturia, and Trachonitus and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. So first off, in the Gospel of Luke, this is the only place out of all four Gospels that this timestamp has taken place. None of the other Gospels record this, and this was inspired by the Holy Spirit for Luke to record exactly what time John was sharing this. Here's the context. It's this timestamp, right? John first started his ministry. Matthew Henry said in his commentary, the Jews were under a heathen government at the time. That's Tiberius Caesar. Tiberius Caesar, the third of 12 Caesars at the time, was a very bad man. I love that he, that he used that. He was a very bad man. An, in, an inconsiderable, despicable part of the Roman Empire. This was a brutal time for the people. They were being ruled by heathens and a terrible leader. And to make matters worse, Pilate, the governor who ruled over that area, was described by other writers to be a wicked man and one that made no conscience of a lie. And what that really means is he didn't care how much he lied. It never bothered him. This is all happening just as God calls John to preach, to share the good news of Jesus coming. This is like our government, Canada, being absolutely evil and wicked. And then our, our, our premier of Ontario being absolutely evil and wicked. And then our, our mayor in our town being absolutely evil and wicked. This is the time that's been set up for John to go out of the wilderness and preach. So John the Baptist heard a word from the Lord to go tell others what's happening. In a time where the government was brutal, and if the government that's leading the people is brutal, we can only imagine what the people were like at that time. Even the religious leaders at this time couldn't get things together. You saw that it was Annas and Caiaphas, the leading high priests. Did you know that God ordained only one high priest? But they had two. They were just doing things their own way as well, and not the way of the Lord. So this is the stage that has been set. John is placed as a forerunner in a time where rationally looking at it, maybe John should have been like, you know what, I'm going to start a small church, tell a few people, and that will keep me safe. Maybe a couple friends. That would have been much safer for him, for sure. But seeing through John's eyes, we can see he had to get the message out and let everyone know about Jesus coming. He shared in this time when it was dangerous for him to be sharing anything, and not just like it would cost him his career, but it would cost him his life. This shows how urgent John saw this message. And I really want you to understand this so that when we walk away from today's word, we don't just think, well, it was easy for John to share in that time. I'm not going to do the things that God's word is telling me because it's so hard today. 
it was hard for John. It was hard. He was setting himself up for execution. John went against all odds and he preached it anyway. And in John's eyes, this is what God called him to do, to make a way for the Savior to come, to ready the people. Okay, how does this have anything to do with Christmas? This has everything to do with how we're preparing for Christmas. And John points out a few different areas that we ought to be preparing for Jesus' Jesus's birth. Can we take a brief moment right now? Where you are right now, loved ones. What are you anticipating this year? John was preparing, and we should be preparing the same way. First, turning back to the Lord, repenting. And second, sharing the good news of God's saving power. These are two things out of this message that we need to walk away with. First, repent, turn back to the Lord. Second, sharing the good news of God's saving power. What will we do this Christmas? Will we turn back to God? Will we share the gospel? Let's look back at Isaiah and show you all how God had already set this up. And more specifically, if you flip over to Isaiah 40, 3 to 5, the CEV really uh, puts this in like modern day language. It says, someone is shouting, clear a path in the desert. Make straight, make a straight road for the Lord our God. Fill in the valleys, flatten every hill and mountain, level the rough ground and rugged ground. Then the glory of the Lord will appear for all to see. The Lord has promised this. Well before John was born, well before Jesus had come, and in between the gap where there was silence for 400 years from the last prophet till now, John was going to be called to clear away. John would come and clear away. Now, this did not actually mean literally. He wasn't going to get in a cat bulldozer and start leveling off the mountains. He wasn't going to start filling the valleys with dirt, but he'd be leveling the ground in the hearts of the people. And how do you, how do you go about leveling the ground in our hearts? Is it easy to do these things? It is easy to turn back to God when you're running in the absolute opposite direction. No, it's not easy. But it had to be done, and God promised it would be done. You see, when God promised that the ground would be leveled, the hills brought low, this didn't mean physical mountains. And one commentator said, obstacles will be removed. But these images are also metaphors and have ethical overtones. The proud and the arrogant will be humbled. The humble and lowly will be exalted. And the crooked will be changed. This is a picture of our own hearts, loved ones. John is preparing a way for us to see what it means to be prepared. This Christmas season, we need to turn back to God. We need to make a 180-degree turn. Looking through the eyes of John, we see how important this was at that time. We see how much he risked. We see how much he risked 
sharing that. And even today, this is a very important message for us. Again, stop to just think for a moment. Are there things in your life that you've created rough ground in your heart? Are there things you're doing that would make one wonder if you are actually following Jesus? Because the things you're doing are following in the exact opposite direction of what Christ would do. Repent today, loved one. Turn back to God. God may have brought you here today through a friend. Maybe even a family member. Or maybe you're at a point in your life where you're like, you know what, I really need to get back to God. God has a message for you today. Turn back to Him. Leave your old life behind. Come to the Lord. He's literally calling you right now. God is calling you. Whatever your life circumstance, He's calling you back to Him. He promised He would prepare a way for His return, and He's doing that. As we prepare for Christmas this year, let's examine our hearts, examine our lives, and turn away from those things that separate us from God. Turn away from that, you know, that language that we, that we use, that we shouldn't use. Turn away from just seeing Sunday morning as another checkbox in the week and just a religious thing to do. When we should be pouring out our hearts, our minds, our soul, our strength to worship the Lord and set that day apart for Him. Put God at the forefront of your lives. When we looked through the eyes of John, we could see he had an urgency to call people to repent and turn back to God. He also spoke of the good news and God's saving power. As we prepare for Christmas, the good news needs to be at the forefront of this season. We have to stop to share the greatest gift of all to our friends and our family. We must invite others out to hear it. We must invite others to come to church. We must invite our neighbors, our friends. We have to be bold like John was. Be bold like John the Baptist was. Why? Because this is why you were created. To be in relationship with God. And sin broke that. And separated us. But Jesus, who we'll be celebrating, made a way for us to be reconciled so that we would not taste death, but would have eternal life. Just as I wanted to share my stereo with everyone because I was so excited about it, let's share the gospel with everyone. Is the gospel not greater than a stereo? John leans in and gives a message of repentance. And it's not an easy message to preach, but a message that needs to be spoken. And after John spoke and told the people to repent, the people said something peculiar. What would you expect them to say just after he said, you're living in this way. You shouldn't live that way. You should follow God. Stop living the life you're living. You need to change your life around. You need to repent. What would the people say? Well, in Luke 3.10, it says, The crowds asked John, What shall we do? And if we go over to Acts 2, 
37 to 39, it says, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter was preaching the same type of message. Repent, turn away from God. Jesus has come to save you. Jesus has come to reconcile you back to God so that the relationship will be made right. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord of God will call. When someone comes to you, when you have a friend that you've been praying for for years, comes to you and turns their life around, and says, what do I do now? When your family member comes to you that you've been praying for and asking God to change their life, and they say, I want to follow the Lord. What do I do now? When a youth that you brought all the way up to Muskoka spent 10 hours in a vehicle and loved them the whole time, asks, Mr. Nathan, what do I do now? Share this with them. Share this with them right here, right from God's word. When they say, I am broken, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. Just as those that were listening to John and those that were listening to Peter said, what shall I do? Each of you must turn from your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Loved one, you right now. If you believe right now that Jesus is who he says he is, if you believe what the scriptures say about Christ, that he died, was put up on a cross, buried, raised to life after three days, defeated death, and has finished the work on the cross so that you can have eternal life. If you believe that right now, and you're asking, what do I do? I say to you, turn back to God, repent, Turn back from your old ways. Turn away from your sinful nature. Be baptized. Do that. That's what we should do. This is the good news. In John's context of the answer through John's eyes, how does he tell everyone to prepare for the coming of Jesus? How does he respond? Well, he tells each of them in their own context what they need to do. He levels the ground in their hearts. So in Luke 3, 11, it says, John answered. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. He tells them they need to change. They need to do the opposite of what they're already doing. They need to go against the desires of their flesh. John is speaking to the culture of the day. Don't charge interest. Don't be corrupt. So his first two responses are help God's people, help people, feed them, 
clothe them. His second two responses are don't charge interest. Don't extort people. Stop doing the things you shouldn't. John is actually offering a gospel message to the people before the ultimate Savior is to come. Turn from your sins. Turn back to God. Repent. Stop doing what you used to do. John continues to share the gospel message with the people, and he does so unashamedly. And John explains to them, Jesus is coming, and he is the one that's really going to save you. Let's look at John, uh, Luke 3, 16 to 18. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but the one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in the hand to clear his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn. And he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. This all seems like such a heavy message. But we need to see the hope there is in these verses. John tells us that when a Savior comes, he's going to be baptizing with the Holy Spirit and fire. People will know Jesus has come when he baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And we see this happen in Acts 1, when Jesus says, when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, are you going to free Israel now and restore our kingdom? The Father sets those dates, he replied, and they are not for you to know. But when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power and will tell people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, through Judea, through Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus has come. The Holy Spirit has been given to us, in us as followers of Christ. The coming of Jesus in John's eyes was something that he could not help but share. And now that we have the Holy Spirit within us as believers, we should do the same. He didn't just sit back in one spot. He preached all over the Jordan to share the good news. Don't let this Christmas just pass by and get sucked into all the hustle and bustle and the gifts and the get-togethers. Don't miss out on the one thing that matters the most. That's Jesus. John the Baptist is an amazing example of how God uses people for his purposes. How will God use you for his purposes this year. As we close up here, I'd love for you to ponder and really think about your life. As Christmas is coming, will you turn back to God? Will you repent of those things in your life that you shouldn't be doing and come back? And secondly, I challenge you this season to share Jesus. Share what's he, what he's done in your life. Share your own testimony. Sit down for coffee with a friend or a family member. And if you do not know Christ, but you're at the spot where you're like, what do I do now? Repent. Turn from your old life. Turn back to God. And be baptized. You've been saved. And now live the abundant life that only God can provide. John points us to this for this Christmas season. And what a great start. Let, our, let us prepare our hearts, 
our minds, our souls, our everything this Christmas for Jesus coming. Let's pray. Psalm 92. It's wonderful to be grateful and sing your praises, Lord Most High. It's wonderful each morning to tell about your love and at night to announce how faithful you are. What an amazing time for us to be alive. A time where we can look back at the things that you've done in the past. A time where we can look at what you're doing now. Lord, would you please pour your grace out on us that we would be able to set a time to turn our lives back to you. All of us. We all need to do this, Lord. That we would be able to set aside time to share the good news with others. Empower us, Lord, to be bold. Holy Spirit, move in our hearts. That we would be bold to share who you are and what you've done. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. As we look forward to the Christmas season, help us to quiet our hearts, Lord. Help us to quiet our, our minds and the busyness. Help us to focus on you, to turn back to you, to look forward to the good news and share that boldly with others. In your name I pray, amen.